Are you seeking light, reflective reading for the summer? Consider my most recent publication, A Letter to My Sisters Reflecting on God's Promises. This 62-page workbook-style publication guides you through brief narratives, biblical insights, and reflective questions, all encouraging you to contemplate on your experiences from a spiritual perspective. To learn more and to order your copy, visit drveronicahardy.com and submit your order through the Order My Copy tab. Thank you. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, many people don't understand why or how other people become addicted to drugs. They may mistakenly think that those who use drugs lack moral principles or willpower and that they could stop their drug use simply by choosing to. In reality, drug addiction is a complex disease and quitting usually takes more than good intentions or a strong will. Joining us today on There is Power in Your Story is Ms. Tina Locklear, who was featured in a Missions Mosaic article titled Getting to Be Me. Ms. Locklear is currently employed with a nonprofit organization focusing on mental health and substance abuse. The aim of this There is Power in Your Story conversation is to discuss Ms. Locklear's story of removing the mask and transitioning into long-term recovery. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us on There's Power in Your Story podcast. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself with our listeners today? Yes. Thank you, Dr. Hardy, for this opportunity. So my name is Tina Locklear, and I'm a Native American woman. Uh, I'm in long-term recovery from addiction. It is by the grace of God that I celebrate on October the 31st, 2013, seven years coming up. Um, I've battled addiction for about 15 years, during which some of that time I was incarcerated for about 10 months and eight days due to uh, DWIs and probation violations. But since then, I've maintained my sobriety and recovery. And uh, recently, I graduated with honors from the University of North Carolina at Pembroke with my master's degree in social work. What, what have you been doing since graduation? Since graduation, um, I have um, begun my new career. <laughs> um, I was offered a position in Wilmington at one of uh, our no- nonprofit organization here, um, working with individuals with um, mental health and substance abuse. Wow, it sounds like so many great things have been happening for you since graduation. And I want to congratulate you on your new degree, your new job. I also appreciate the work you're doing in regards to mental health and substance abuse. 
Uh, I had mentioned earlier about an article that was written about you, and now I want to pull some quotes from that article and kind of reflect on your thoughts now about those words that you had stated. Um, So one of the quotes, and I thought it was very well said, is the solution to help me escape my reality had now become my biggest problem. So I was wondering, could you tell us about the reality you were trying to escape? Um, Yes, so the reality that I was trying to escape was um, emotional pain and um, unresolved trauma. Mm -hmm. Basically, I would say that I felt empty inside and uh, spiritually dead. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to escape that. Mm -hmm. So I self-medicated. I definitely have to thank you for uh, just sharing your experiences with us and and being open about that so other people will have the opportunity to, I guess, really grow and feel empowered from your experience. You mentioned about unresolved trauma and self-medicating and um, feeling spiritually dead. And that leads into another quote that reads, when my mind sobered, I was left with my thoughts, feelings, and the pain that kept me in bondage in my personal prison long before I was ever incarcerated. Now, how would you describe the personal prison that held you in bondage? Um, I would describe it as a um, a mental prison. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, I built walls around myself, and I didn't want anyone or anything to get close to me for um, fear of rejection or fear of being hurt. It was it was comfortable t- for me to be there. Mm-hmm. I felt safe in my own prison, mm-hmm. so I held the key. Mm-hmm. I could see how holding the key can help support that sense of safety and comfort that you felt. Like you mentioned, you had built walls around you due to several fears that you were experiencing, such as fear of rejection and you felt safe there. The next quote speaks about a mask, and it says, It was my turn to take off the mask I had worn for so long, hiding behind shame, guilt, remorse, and fear. I realized these false masks had stumped my spiritual growth and left me paralyzed and distressed. What steps did you take to remove or take off the mask um as far as taking the steps that I took to take off the mask it was me coming to a place of surrender Mm. um stopping I had I stopped fighting against myself and everyone else and um I came to a place of um probably forgiveness and and probably grace too. Give, allowing myself to have a bit of grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I put down the bat and stopped beating myself up. Thank you for that. And your steps to remove that mask, I, some of the words you use really stood out to me, such as forgiveness, place of surrender, um, showing grace for yourself, putting the bat down and no longer beating yourself up. 
And and when I hear those words, it really sounds like you have a a spiritual foundation or spiritual background. I do. I grew up in church from the time I was um, a small child. Yeah. So yeah. So growing up, um, you know, growing up in church, I had the. It was instilled in me, you know, the Christian values and beliefs and. And to be a person of your word, be a person of integrity. And because of uh, addiction, substance use, you know, I kind of strayed away from that because of, you know, my values just, um, I stepped away from that. You mentioned that you had stepped away from your values. When you reflect back, what kind of, I guess, initial changes did you notice in yourself during that that period, I wasn't the same person. I became a a different person um, during that during active addiction versus who I am today, and and who I you know who who I am today. Today I am, you know, a um, a person of integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, I it's like I I got that gift back. And like you mentioned, during active addiction, it sounds like you you notice some some losses, some losses in regards to your identity or your character, such as the the aspect of integrity. But being blessed to receive that aspect of yourself back again in regards to integrity. So I'm wondering again, when you reflect reflect back, do you recall what the transition was like, say from the, the person you knew yourself to be with the spiritual foundation, what you had been raised with, how you were living your life into the active addiction. Okay. So that was a, that was a slow, it wasn't sudden. I didn't even really notice it was even happening. Mm. As a matter of fact, I was probably in denial. Other, my family members, friends, people that were closest to me noticed it first. Mm-hmm. And, um, before I knew it, um, it's before I knew it, I was down a slippery slope. So your loved ones around you were able to pick up on it and could see that in your behaviors. Yes. They recognized that in me and I didn't see it. I didn't see any of that, Mm -hmm. but I had, but my behaviors they could definitely tell that in my behaviors, my actions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. When they, so were they sharing it with you, what they were seeing? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so my family would see me do something or say things and it was definitely out of character for me. Mm-hmm. And so that was a red flag for them. But, and because I was in denial I didn't want to hear that. You know, I just, I thought that they were trying to control me or tell me what to do. So I didn't take heed to that. So it sounds like you weren't able to necessarily receive what your family members were communicating with you uh, or to you. Like you said, you weren't taking heed and you were interpreting it as they were trying to control you. Um, With that, with not being able to really hear what they were saying, do you remember the period when when you were transitioning a- again from the active addiction to, I guess, coming back to you? 
Um, yes. So that transition, um, I will, I will never forget it. Um, I think it be, it was a place of me getting honest with myself. Mm -hmm. That was probably the first step was, was me getting honest with myself, getting honest with uh, my family. And they noticed that right away. They noticed me doing the next right thing. I didn't even notice that. They just noticed the change in me. Um, in, uh, in the recovery world, we, we speak of that as like a psychic change or a spiritual change or, or a spiritual experience. Mm. So they noticed that transition in my in me before I did wow. I just realized that I my attitude changed um I became a person of you know say if I said I was going to do something then I was sticking to that I contribute that contribute that to moving into a, a recovery community and and doing those things that um a person in recovery does like going to to uh 12-step meetings and having that support that network um, and people in my life that um, can help um, build me up and empower me. You mentioned about a spiritual change and the role of the recovery community in that network of support. Could you share more about the recovery community that you were involved in or that you found was a good supporting foundation for you? Yes, um, Yes, Christian Women's Job Corps has was definitely um, a huge support for me. Um, a, as a matter of fact, I knew I wanted to move to Wilmington, um, and I knew Wilmington had a great um, uh, support system as far as recovery, but Christian Women's Job Corps is the reason I ended up in Wilmington. Mm -hmm. um, they encouraged me to actually go back to school and to um, join to join their organization and be a part of that. So it was actually one of my first family and networking families here in Wilmington. Okay. Gosh, and it definitely sounds like it, it was a, a benefit, a long-term benefit and also long-term relationships that may have come out of that. Yes, they had so much to offer. Um, as far as they had volunteers, um, mentor, I was given a mentor when I um, arrived in Wilmington and it was Monday nights, um, you know, with the group, it was dinner on Monday nights. We had a Bible study and um, we would do crafts and other events. This sounds like a wonderful program that you have been connected with. And I'm thinking in building on that, what would you say is the value um, of how other people have spoken into your life and have been a part of your network? Um, I would say because um, individuals that know me best, they have um, they've witnessed firsthand my um um, struggle my adversities and they saw me at my worst and they saw me at my best and they've they've watched me on the sidelines they've been my greatest cheer you know my cheerleading my cheering section um I've been able to you know rise above my circumstances 
You mentioned about being a cheerleader, and I have a feeling you would like to be a cheerleader or are a cheerleader for others. So for our listeners, if you were to say a few words or give guidance to those who may be going through the experience or even to the loved ones, what would you say? And I, I, I like to always let folks know that, you know, your past can, can become your greatest asset. Mm. Mm. Can you say more about that? Your past can become your greatest asset. Um, yes. Yeah, so for me, um, I, that's that's probably been my platform. I just, you know, my past and and where I came from and where I am today, I chose to turn, you know, use it to my advantage. Um, uh, there's such a stigma that comes along with addiction mm-hmm. and I chose not to be anonymous, but more so to be an advocate on the front lines and to speak out and speak up mm-hmm. to empower others, educate them and um, to be that voice, mm-hmm. you know, um, because so many, you know, you know, you know, because of wanting to be, you know, they need maybe need want because of choice. They decide to be anonymous. But I choose to speak out and to help others and encourage them along the way because someone was there and they encouraged me. And that gave me strength. It gave me hope. It allowed me it gave me um, strength to be able to release that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned about how there's so much stigma around addiction and and at times that stigma can um, silence people. Like you said, some people may choose not to speak or stay anonymous, but but you're choosing to speak on the topic. In, in yes. your opinion, what what are some, I'm not sure how to say it correct, but, but what are the stigmas that are out there or that, that you have come in contact with when it comes to addictions? Um that people with addiction, they're bad people Mm. or they don't have any morals. Um, They're nobodies. Uh, They're junkies. They live under a bridge. Mm. Those are some of the ones that I have experienced firsthand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gosh. And I want to ask with that, what are some words of advice that you would give to our listeners today who either may be experiencing experiencing addiction or who have loved ones who are experiencing addiction. So for in, for our listeners who, you know, may have a family member or a loved one or just a friend, someone that that may be experiencing um, addiction, don't give up. Mm-hmm. Don't give up on them. There is hope, you know. Um, I think that was the crucial piece for me. That is that my family didn't give up. They stopped enabling me, but they didn't give up. Mm-hmm. And as far as um, if there's an individual or, or one of our listeners that you know is experiencing addiction, you know, you're not alone in this. Thank you for stressing the theme of you can do this. And also the theme of don't give up, especially for the loved ones. You know, don't give up on your loved ones, you know, be there, support them, advocate for them, you know, because 
for a person that is, you know, in the grips of addiction, like you can be their person. You might, you might not understand what they're going through, but you can be there and be their support. And that was just very important to me, you know, especially once I, you know, got some sobriety in my life and was able to look back. I remember the ones that were there that were supporting me along the way. There are so many strong themes and important points throughout what you have shared, such as don't give up and the power of a support system. And you have done so many great things in your own life with the the long-term recovery, your upcoming sobriety celebration date, um, obtaining your master's degree in social work, a new job with a nonprofit organization, focusing on mental health and substance abuse. So with that, I'm just wondering, what would you like to see happen in your life next? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> if I had, if I were writing my, and which I am, um, my goals for the next five years, one of the things I want to do is work with a, a nonprofit. My longest term goal is to eventually have probably go and have a private practice. Last is I hope to someday write a memoir. And my hope is that everything you just said will come to fruition. With our last few minutes of our discussion, are there any closing words you would like to share with our listeners? I, I just want to say that, um, as I talked earlier about that, that, that prison that I was in and to be free from that, the freedom from addiction is, you know, something that can't be bought, can't be sold. Something I can't get it from anyone. You know, it only comes through, you know, with the sobriety and the peace of mind. So I am grateful, you know, for this opportunity. I am grateful for my sobriety. And, you know, if you're out there and listening to this, just know that, you know, once you once a person stops, stops fighting, they become open minded and willing. All things are possible. Mm. And that's with God. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. And I thank you for sharing your story on There's Power in Your Story podcast today. Thank you so much, Dr. Hardy. Once again, we definitely thank Ms. Locklear for sharing her experience with us today on There is Power in Your Story podcast. If you or someone you love feels like you are experiencing challenges with addiction, please reach out for help either through a local social service provider, your primary care physician, or feel welcome to contact the National Helpline at one 800 662-HELP, H-E-L-P, which is an information and referral service that is available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Again, the National Helpline number is 1-800-662-HELP. 